Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family, from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Hey guys, we are back for another amazing episode with you guys. I'm super excited to get into it because we got a good one for you today. Hey baby. (laughs) Danny's on one today. But before sounds, we get... I sound so smooth in this microphone. I think he's starting to like his radio voice, you guys, <laughs> too much. Um, yeah, you got to tell him what happened this week before yeah, we get started I real ha- quick. I have to tell you guys something. Because, old lady, old lady status. Hey, what? You better shut your mouth. Um, okay, but for real, I was like sitting on the couch with Danny. We were watching our very favorite show. The Chosen. If you haven't seen it, you're missing out. Yes, we had put our kids to bed. I had my favorite blanket. I had my popcorn and my drink. And I'm like, sweet. We're just watching our favorite show. And all of a sudden. She, I, this is seriously <laughs> what happened. We're sitting in the middle. And it, the Chosen's a spiritual show. It's about it, it's about the life of Jesus Christ. And during right halfway through the show, all of a sudden there's, help, help, <laughs> ha, ha, honey, help, help, help. It's true. And good, just just if you don't know me. Which most of you don't. She's never asked for I well, don't ask for help. That's the second time she's asked for help and <laughs> as long as we've been married. So I was terrified. He was terrified. And uh, from my perspective, I'll just tell you what happened. I actually got put inside of a snow globe and somebody shook me violently and then dropped me on the floor. That's what it felt like, okay? That's a good analogy. And so um, Danny was terrified. I, I, I mean, terror, okay? I was on the floor. It actually like dropped me onto the floor and I I couldn't I really couldn't breathe. I could tell my blood pressure was really, really low and I couldn't communicate what was going on with Danny. So of course he just has his just his response, which is no, get up, get up and I, walk I around. I got a case of Tourette's. <laughs> I started swearing. And you did. Turning he's lights like, on and he's like, look at you, look. He's turning his camera at me, like on his phone, like, look at you. I'm like, I don't want to look at me right now. I can't even. I'm all your pupils are dilated. You're pale. So I like threw her over my shoulder and ran outside on our deck where it was cold and tried to like smack her a little bit. Yeah. And I'm like, but thankfully then I got about to throw up, by the way. I'm like, hurry and get me like to the side. I need to, I I can't, like, I'm going to throw up. Okay. So then I stopped. I called her dad, who's a doctor. Man, I'll tell you what, it, it's such a blessing having someone like him in moments like that. I woke him up, you know, I wouldn't have done it for myself, but it's his daughter, so I knew he wouldn't be mad. And we went through the process. He was calm. He analyzed the situation. He spoke to her and told her it was an inner ear thing causing vertigo. Yeah. He said, oh, don't worry. He's like, you do not need to take her to the hospital. It will just cause more stress for you and for her. It'd be more exhausting than you really need to put yourself through. So. So, but we hang up with my dad. I'm starting to feel like, okay, I'm not going to die. That's great. I, w- I mean, I'm ready to see Jesus, but I just love, I, I, want, I want us all to go together. <laughs> so, um, but Danny calls one I, of in the meantime, our, our I texted very our friends, yes. dearest friends Josh and, Sarah. And, and has them come over, help, because you're going to have to stay with our kids while I take EJ to the emergency room where she's going to die, is what she's he's thinking. So let me tell this part, because... She's sitting on the couch. She instantly comes in the house, sits on six next to EJ. My friend Sarah. Puts her head Love on you, her Sarah. shoulder, puts her arm around her and just holds her. 
And I'm looking at them like, oh no, is that what I should have been doing? Is that what I supposed <laughs> to do? Because instantly she calmed down and Sarah's, you know, rubbing her head and rubbing her shoulder and holding her. So after a minute of analyzing the situation, Sarah's like, what's wrong with you, Danny? Like you're acting like she was, ha- she was overdosing or something. And we had this little moment. <laughs> I said, oh, that's exactly what he well, did. And so did. He I. just treated me like I had an overdose. So I reverted back to trauma from 15 plus 20 years ago. Um, having several instances like that with other people where my reaction was to smack her in the face, to scream, to shake her, to put her head in cold water. Meanwhile, she's just having vertigo. So Meanwhile, I really just needed to sit still and not be moved and be talked to with a soothing voice. The best part was we had an exciting night when our kids were asleep inside our home. It was great. <laughs> so that's just a day in the life of Danny and EJ. Um, moving along, um, please, just for a second, I just if you're liking the podcast, we're so grateful please do us a favor and subscribe to the pod podcast and you will get double good karma points. If you uh, leave us a review too, we're just, we love our community and we really want to keep it growing. So um, the best way we can do that is with you. Please, um, please, please. So last week we talked about the snipe hunt. If you missed it, that was a good one. You need to go back, go back and listen to it. It was amazing. Um, but I forgot to share one thing on that. I just want to clap back to that real quick and go um, and read one of my favorite, favorite quotes that I can't believe I left out. And it is, you can never get enough of what you don't need because what you don't need will never satisfy you. And that's by Dallin H. Oaks. Um, And, you know, it's a really, it's a great one to discuss as a family. If you just drop that out there and just say, what do you think that means? Or even better yet, if you are, if you can do like a one-on-one date with one of your kids and say, and just read that quote and then say, what do you think that means? Like, you know, let's talk about it. And you will be amazed at the, the power that comes from those conversations. And again, it's just finding ways to open up these conversations and make these comfortable. Okay, so we are ready to dive in today. Let's do this. Um, today, I'm going to actually read something that I wrote for one of our very first Instagram posts. In fact, it was our first Instagram post. For living proof. Um, for living proof. I created this, like I'm sure you guys have seen them, where you do like a grid, like nine different posts that make one bigger picture. So you just get these little random pieces. Um, so... I'm going to read to you post number one, and it's really just me telling Danny's story. Yeah, but what story. were those nine po- those grids? So it made up Danny's mugshot is the, the picture that comes out of the nine grids. But the first one, um, and this just came from talking to Danny and just, you know, finding out like kind of where this all began and we just we talked about it for months and months but so I'm just going to read this part one I'll also post it so you guys can see it and you guys can um, look at that whole grid again even if you scroll down to the bottom but um, here it is I ran into a buddy from high school that I used to party I want to clarify real quick I don't know if they're understanding clearly yeah do it but this she had interviewed me and asked me questions about 
the yep. journey and the process of how I got from where I was to where my addiction ultimately led me. So these were just little snippets from her interview with me. Right. Okay. And it went, so in nine little squares, I go from kind of the tipping point to where he ended up in the Correct. basement. Um, and she did it dying. the way I like it. Short, sweet to the point. Yep. So this is short, but I just want to, I just want to read this and that's going to kind of kick off our conversation today. So it's part one. <clears throat> I ran into a buddy from high school that I used to party with. We were talking in his car for a few minutes and he grabbed a bottle of prescription pain pills from his console. He took one out and methodically licked the coating off and broke it into to a few tiny pieces. He pulled the mirror out of his visor and crushed a minuscule piece grabbed a straw and snorted it. Instantly, I saw his demeanor change. I wanted to feel like he was feeling. He offered me a piece, a piece so small you could drop it and never find it again. I snorted it, vomit. My body couldn't handle the intensity. Seconds later, I was there too. Heaven opened up and trumpets were playing just for me. No chatter in my brain, no knots to untangle, no pressure to have everything figured out. My emotion left me. My mind was still calm. I am in love. I will never go back to living like I was before. I can't. Once you see color TV, you can't go back to black and white and be happy. A super silent, a silent super event took place in my life at that moment. My internal access changed, changed poles. So... It's actually hard for Danny to to go back there sometimes. So um, this is hard to talk about. But um, in the last episode, Danny, you briefly talked about um, this. But I know you get this all the time. Like, why then? Why you 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 said your your life was so great. Why did things get so bad? And I think people want to know because they're interested. But I also think they're like, I want to avoid this. Like, I if I could save my kid from this. I want to. So let's talk about it. You want me to talk about it? Yeah. Well, Please. put me on the spot. That's great. I Something I tell all the families that I now work with is that there's no solution as permanent as a temporary one. Well, I had a source of pain that, that was a really intense source. However, Something I want to make clear that I've actually been able to more clearly understand now working with lots of different people, young adults and adults alike, that's helped me understand my process a little bit more is at a certain point in your life and a certain age during the beginning, you don't even truly understand what hurts. Right. Okay. Down the road, if you're lucky to recover and have clinical support and help to figure out what was wrong, you're able to identify it. But at the time, it's really hard to identify. So if you have a daughter or a husband or a son or a wife who's struggling, what they are struggling with inside is really hard to even identify for themselves. Whether it's depression, anxiety, whether it's feeling inadequate, it doesn't matter, but it's an unbearable pain. It's, it's a tangle that they're they're unable to articulate or even really understand at that point. However, when a chemical solution or a temporary solution for that matter, whether that's 
pornography, drugs, alcohol, eating disorders, anything that comes into place, when it removes it, that they notice. That right. moment, that when you described and you interviewed me and said I, I, I snorted that that pill, the feeling I had from it is what I noticed. Yeah. It helped me recognize that, oh, that discomfort that I couldn't even really describe or explain, it was gone. Yeah. You noticed the absence of it. I noticed the absence of it. And the absence of it was so liberating. It was right. so comforting. It was just a sense of relief, right? Like it was a drink of cold water after being exhausted. Yeah. So I found a solution for it. You know, I, that, that, that pain inside that I had, that discomfort that I wasn't even fully aware of what it was, it was gone. So obviously that was just a mask for the pain, but it was worth it. Right. And it began very innocent. I, I had, I found a way to quite literally bring me comfort and joy quicker than you can find a, an answer by asking Siri quicker than you can find directions by pulling up your phone. Now, again, this was a snipe punt because just when I thought I had what I needed, my body adjusted to it and needed more. And that's how things escalate so quickly. Never in the beginning are you sticking a needle in your arm or drinking a full handle, like half a gallon of alcohol that could kill a normal person. Never are you doing that at the beginning. It's small little things that give you that relief. Right. Here's how addiction works. Very quickly, that small little amount doesn't work. Right. And I can tell you right now, when I very first took that tiny little piece of a pill, again, it was so small, you could barely see it. Almost daily, it doubled. And by the third week, it was quadrupling, meaning you had to take four times as much to get the same result. Right. So addiction is progressive and that's just how it is. And so I think what's interesting is understanding that at the beginning, you know that you did something wrong, but usually it's quite innocent. It's significantly less aggressive than where addiction leads to. But at the beginning, those choices are small, they're simple, and it gives you right. what you need. Well, and and again, you're, you are not thinking this is um, kind of like a new a new person that's being developed. You're thinking, Oh, this is just like, I'm just putting a bandaid on a wound. Like I'm just, I'm just taking care of this. You're not thinking, Oh, this is going to escalate. I'm not going to become an addict. Yeah. I'm not going to ruin this my life. This permanent. is, this is just right now. This, this is, is helping temporary. me. This is great. This is helping me. Yeah. And the ironic thing is how families with addicts also adapt the same mindset, right? They're throwing out temporary solutions. Like little Caesars is throwing out pizzas. And, and we talked about this in what podcast four, yeah, families so. are so good at learning to live with diarrhea. Yeah. So instead of facing the facts, they're making excuses or even just ignoring the reality of what's going on. Right. There's never a more permanent solution than a temporary one. And, and I see it all the time. When, you really do. I feel, I feel like every, every person you interact with has a, a huge list of all these temporary solutions that they've been using for what started with weeks to months and now they're into full-blown years of yeah. well this is just what we do well in the last seven days i've i've had conversations with new people at least two or three times a day 
whether those were consultations or running to people at the gym or the store, I heard the same story three times from three different people. One was about someone's wife. One was, was about someone's brother. And one was about someone's dad, all of whom saw their loved one get into a car completely intoxicated. Yeah. I mean, stumbling, falling over sideways, looking at them going, I should call the police. How many times have I seen this happen? They're going to hurt someone. And guess what? They don't call. They do nothing. They do nothing. Even knowing that one of them had gotten to an accident with their children in the car just the week before. So again, they're, they've learned to live with diarrhea. I mean, the reality is that's just insane, right? Any other, if this was your neighbor, right? Whoops, I just punched the microphone because I got amped up. If this was your neighbor or your nephew, you would not hesitate. You would separate love, boundaries, and call and do what's right. Right. But when it's your loved one, your dad, when it, when it, it's your spouse, we just make excuses because we've, we've learned to thrive with diarrhea. I, I recently had worked with a mother, her daughter, just to paint the picture of how serious and where we're at in this game is selling herself to, to men or giving of herself for drugs because she's out of money. That That's where it's progressed to. Right. And this was a beautiful individual, like a girl who looked like a doll, played the piano, a dancer, all of the things that you would want your daughter to grow up and be like is now giving herself to, to random men and, and being abused to support her addiction, okay? There's no question that this is a problem. No one in the family is arguing whether or not they have a problem now. But the family has rental properties all over the city. And so they feel like they've put their foot down, but what they're doing is any of these homes that are vacant for a certain amount of time, they're letting her stay there. Right. Okay, because they don't want her on the street. Now, this is a whole different subject we can get into about how to support your loved one. But what I'm just saying is they've learned to live with diarrhea. As my addiction progressed and I went from that tiny, minuscule piece of a pill to gobbling up 30 to 50 pills a day, if not double that, it's that gradual progression as the diarrhea got worse, you just learn to live with it. Right. So. Well, and and again, like I feel for that mom because she's thinking she's 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 helping like she's doing what she can she's giving she's giving you the temper she's slapping on the temporary solution for the immediate problem because it's honestly just the path of least resistance yeah. so um it, it's kind of like <laughs> love is blind it's it's actually a blessing in so many ways but again it's it becomes a curse when when you're so close to the situation and it's it's always going to be easier when you're one step removed like I, I remember there was a time where there was a car that was constantly parked on our street where this this young man was just passed out in it. Like, honestly, 75% of the time, if I drove by, he was passed out in the car. Yeah. And I was like, man, like, what, why are you just letting your kids sit in the car, passed out? Like, you should call the police. Like, you should, you know, like, I'm like thinking of all these things. And it, it's just so interesting because you always think you know what you should do until you are in the situation and it's your kid and all of a sudden you're like fine with them passed out in the car because you can keep your eyes on them you yeah. can go out and check their pulse every once in a while oh they're still alive great i'm glad i know where they are i could touch them they're right there so anyway and just i don't know is side note too is 
when I was unmarried and pregnant, um, my parents two big words right there. Yeah, unmarried and pregnant, and um, came home to live with um, my family again. Um, there were just some really powerful lessons that were taught in in that time frame, um, and it, it, again, it's one of those things where it's it's going to be easier for people on the outside to say this is what they should do, this is what you know I would do or whatever. But I just want to say that. Um, my parents made the decision to stand behind me and to make me feel supported in the way that I needed to at that point. And, um, it allowed me to have a lot of freedom to understand what I was, you know, what I was looking at and what the, the decisions that needed to be made. But, um, I, I always knew how they felt about it. They didn't have to shame me and, tell me like, well, you know why this happened is because you made wrong choices. And you, I knew that, that I knew that they were disappointed in my choices, but that shame wasn't constantly hung over my head. In fact, it was the opposite of love and support, um, which I just admire so much. And I wish more people could feel that in those desperate situations. I know it's different addiction, pregnancy, but it, it's still the families have a real opportunity there to make a, a bold statement about the kind of support they're willing to give. Yeah, it's true. And I don't know. We may do a podcast. Yeah, that'd be something. Going into do, it is different, but the principle's the same. However, it'd be a good one to talk about. Yeah. Um. All right. So back to what we were saying before. Um. Loving somebody deeply can often put us in a situation where we can't see a long term or permanent solution. All we can see and understand is survival, surviving, and just we're we're just going to get after it. We're just going to do what it takes in this moment, right now, today. Um, so, oh, I'm sorry to do this to you, Danny, but whoa, um, just freaked I'm, me out again. I'm, I just start smacking you. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot because I live with this man, and I hear a lot of what he is talking to people about, and. It is so powerful um, what what he is doing to help families. Now, again, I'm I'm stressing families, okay? Because he's not working with the addicts. He's helping these families really understand and and take this concept that we've been talking about. There is no um, solution as permanent as a temporary solution. He helps them get the traction on that that they have to have and the mindset to move forward and make changes. And I I want you to talk about some of those experiences you've specifically had. I mean, you're going to obviously leave out names and such, but I want you to talk about how you how you do that. Like what what does that look like in in a situation with a real client? Well, this I I don't want to drag this on forever, so maybe I could just share one or two thoughts that aren't maybe quite as specific as you're asking for, but have amazed even myself of just how common they are. Is that okay? Okay. Perfect. Um, most of the people I've worked with to this point are successful individuals. Um, they're educated. They do well for their life. For the most part, their, their life is better than mine might ever be right like they have a level of success and intelligence that are remarkable 
and inside the home there there's this problem festering they they actually do better at life in most areas than myself but when it comes to this one area they're being completely dominated and what i've kind of learned is it would be no different if you had a child who was born with autism how equipped would you be to help them right away not not, not nothing no information. You would, though, however, have all the desire, love, and determination to do it. Oh, yeah. Right? I'd be buying every book. So it, this isn't, I don't like to compare addiction to that, but what I'm trying to do is just draw a comparison that says, your loved one is sick. I don't care if they just started drinking for the first time, they're 16 years old, and you found little remnants or signs. If your son is 19 years old and has an addiction to pornography, or your daughter is 35 years old and selling her body to support her addiction, or your your spouse is driving around inebriated. Did I say that right? You did. Wow. That was bam. Because she will call me out if I don't. Um, and sometimes afterwards, so I'm glad I figured that out now. If your spouse is driving around in that manner with your children in the car. these are These are all situations where a family looks at it, wants to help, they're trying, they're doing different things, and they're all failing. I have now had enough experience with countless families to understand that they all struggle with the same thing. Mm -hmm. Wanting to help, not knowing how to help, trying different things. But all of these are exactly what we said. They're temporary solutions. Yeah. They're band-aids. They're trying to fix their... In our, on our digital online courses, my wife helped me describe it as the drywall patchers. Their loved ones running around just punching holes in walls, so to speak. And the family just goes behind patching them up. Specifically, some members of the family are patching those holes up as, as quick as they can, trying yeah. to keep up with them. Yep. And and everybody has a different job, right? Like this person's really good at patching these kinds of holes and this person's. So what I've just seen is this unanimous struggle inside of every home. And I'm just going to come out and say, it's. I believe it's because the opposition or Satan, or whatever you want to describe him as, is very good at taking one thing, inserting it in a person, and then making the whole family struggle or suffer because of it. So yeah, I, well, I there, there's a lot of the parts. The Living Proof Recovery Services, we have digital online courses that help parents walk through the process. Course one explains what you're doing wrong, you as a family, a support group. Course two explains to the person to the family, why your loved one is doing what they're doing, why you can't get through to them, what they're, what they're feeling and going through at this time. Then we kind of move on and we help to create a structure as a family to approach the loved one and give them support. And then four is ultimately how we implement that, that gift to help, right? But if I said, okay, backing up to give you something of substance today, every single person listening to this podcast will at some point have someone they love in their life is struggling from an addiction and it will get to a point when you know you should do something what that something is i don't know whether it's calling the police because they just left with kids in the car whether it's reaching out to a professional who can help whether it's calling them out for what they're doing and not allowing it to happen in your home when it gets to the point that something needs to be done don't fail to act don't think that you can pray this away that you can hope for something better that this is magically going to disappear because they're going to get a new boyfriend, a new job, or they're going to change and move to a different location. Addiction doesn't go away. However, addiction can quite frankly get its ass kicked by doing the right things. 
by doing all of the proper things that every person who wins and fights against addiction does. And it begins by someone standing up and doing something for This is an argument I get into with the people a lot. Well, they got to want it for themselves. They got to need it. They got to want this. Well, yeah. I mean, just this. They do. This week. you, yeah. I, I, Yeah. They, they do. They want it. But they're scared. They're terrified. They're vulnerable. Their life is upside down and actually seeing a way out is impossible. So it's going to require you. Well, it will require you and the whole family to agree on the same parameters, right? Yep. And and I think that's what's been so, it's so rewarding. I, I'll, I'll tell you, it's so rewarding to see these like people who say, you know, we've been trying to get our loved one help for three years. So it's just been a nightmare. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, Danny is the reason why they got into treatment, but I am saying that <laughs> because because well, he's able to get everyone on the same page and understanding, you guys, if you want to help them, yes, they will have to go, but they will be almost forced to go if all of you agree on all of these parameters that we're going to set. Unified emotionally. So I've had really good success at helping families create a structure sufficient to the resistance of their loved one. Other people who do what I do can help you have success also. Sending your loved one or reaching out to your bishop or your priest or any religious figure that you have in your life at some point will be the most critical part of their journey. Right. But at the beginning, no. for heaven's sakes, no, that's not where you go. And thinking that they're just going to knock this off, you've got to stop and you've got to overcome that. So. There's so many things we do in life that we reach out and we get help for someone just to give us a kickstart, right? Yeah. Like whether it's yep. a trainer to help you exercise at the gym, they're not going to be with you for two years. No. You hire them for they, what? Like, yeah. They teach you how to do things right. And then- you, know, two, you hire them for two weeks and then they just show you how to do it and you go do it. So, you know, of course, I'd love to help any of you out there that are struggling and just want to, to get a footing. Um, that's great. But all I'm asking is everyone out there to just understand this fact. Okay, I mean, I just want to share something real quick. Finishing up here, I read something recently um, on the Wall Street Journal. They came out with these these statistics. I'm just going to be I'm going to generalize it real quick because this is this is real life. Okay, in San Francisco alone last year in 2020, what, what's the only thing? And and they've done a good job at tracking this. So I'm just sharing this story from San Francisco. I don't have any ties there, but. Fentanyl is a drug that's ravaging the country. It's a very powerful drug. It's an incredible drug. A lot of people like how it feels, which is why it's a problem. Um, Fentanyl last year in San Francisco, and again, I'm just using round numbers, killed over 700 people from overdose. That drug alone. We're not talking about alcohol-induced deaths, other drugs, heroin, cocaine, meth. We're talking about fentanyl alone. Now, to put in comparison, what's the only thing we ever heard in 2020? COVID, COVID, COVID. That's all we ever heard. Well, there was 350 somewhat deaths in San Francisco reported from COVID. So more than double the deaths from one drug alone. And no one ever heard a word. This year, four months into the year, there are over 800 deaths in that same city from fentanyl alone. It's a problem. Addiction is running through our country in a way that no one can truly comprehend.
It is the pandemic. It is the ultimate threat. Now, all-encompassing that boils into eating disorders, pornography, these addictions that are taking people down to a path that's unbearable. So what's the one thing I can share is all these families I've worked with, no matter how successful, educated, incredible they are, you need someone's help to open your eyes and see what's going on and just give you direction and guidance so that you can you can really have a chance at battling this. That's it. Amen. And there is literally no one better than Danny Deaton. So um, head to the website, guys. And honestly, if you're enjoying this podcast, share it with somebody else. Share it with somebody who needs it. Subscribe, follow, and you are not going to want to miss next week because we are definitely going to have a party up in here. Oh, wow. We're celebrating Danny's 14th year of sobriety. Wow. So it's going to be a very special episode. Do not miss. That Do was not Portuguese, miss it. And uh, we love you. Thanks have for a great joining. week.